Thanks for joining us on the New Beginnings Podcast, where our goal is to help people connect with Christ. We hope you enjoy listening. Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is part two of our series called No Other Gospel. If you were not here last week, I'd really encourage you to go grab uh, the CD, go watch online. Uh, this is one, w- at least once or twice out of the year, what I like to do is jump off of topics and jump into a book of the Bible. I just think it's important to know Scripture and to know the Bible. And so when you look at your Bible, I know for many of you it looks confusing, and I'd love to help it make more sense to you. And so this is one of those book of the Bible series through the book of Galatians. And last week what we just, we, we just talked about real briefly was this idea that Paul is going back to one of these churches that he originally planted and started. And he's going back to them with this letter. And it's primarily even a letter of correction because what happened was is that this church started off on the right foot. It started off in the right direction. Everything was going good. But then... But then more and more of people's junk got involved. And how many know the more and more people's junk get involved, the, the, the more diluted and convoluted the gospel becomes? And that's what happened. And here's the crazy part of what happened. This wouldn't happen in our church, so we're going to glean from it. But this, this is what happens. These people who were Jewish Christians went to this new Gentile church. And they went to these people who had found the grace and the love of Jesus Christ. And they said, yeah, that's great. But did you know that not only do you need to love Jesus, but you need to love Jesus and then go get circumcised. You need to love Jesus and go eat these kinds of foods. And you need, to, you need to love Jesus, but then you need to go follow these things on the calendar and do these things and don't do these other things. And so really it's Jesus, but I mean it's kind of Jesus plus this other stuff. And what they had done was, is that they, and this is the idea of no other gospel, because Paul said is this, he says, you started off with the gospel of Christ, but then you moved into this other weird thing that's really no gospel at all. And really what he goes into is he goes, there's a difference between grace and law. There's a difference between the gospel and religion. And he goes on to say that what you've done is, is you've gotten into this meritocracy, meritocracy system that where if you're good enough... God will like you. That's what the law says, right? That if you keep enough of the rules, if you keep enough of the laws, if you're a really, really good person, then God will like you. And Paul said, that's dumb. That doesn't work like that. As a matter of fact, this is the gospel of grace. It doesn't matter if you're good or not. That's not the starting point. This says if you're good, God will love you. Grace says God already loved you. Not only did he love you, he sent his son to die in your place. And it's a free gift that you don't deserve, you can't earn, you can't pay back. This is purely just love and grace and gift and goodness. And he goes, make sure you don't go back into this system where you're trying to constantly earn your salvation because you can't. Or deserve your salvation because it leads to all kinds of problems. And after service, a gentleman came up to me and he goes... I get what you're saying, and that makes total sense, but how, how do I do that? How do I overcome that? And that's where I said, hey, just let's, let's, let's ride this out. Because there's a whole book of the Bible that addresses this issue. This is just week one. It, this week, what we want to look at is this, is why? Why does God extend grace, and why does God say the law is not the system that actually works? The law was just there to show you that you needed God. Why would he even do that? And what I'm going to show you today is not only is there a difference and a contrast and an argument that Paul makes between law and grace, he goes on to make a new argument that there's a difference between sons and slaves. And this is why God gave grace and not just the law. What he goes on to say is, he goes, actually grace was original. If you go read the story of Abraham, is that Abraham was called righteous because he trusted in God. 
God just brought the law around after that for other reasons. But it was always grace. And now it's the same thing. It's that you're made righteous by your trust and your belief in Jesus. And the reason why he gives grace is because, I don't know if you, if you know this now, but you're sons. You're not slaves. Let me prove it to you. Let's, let's get into the Bible here. If you have your Bible, go to Galatians chapter 3, verse 26. It'll be up on the screen. Listen to this. The Bible says you are all, everybody say all. You are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Now, women, you're sons too. The reason, the reason why he does this is because he was playing into their culture. He goes on later to say there's no, in Christ there's no difference between black and white and Jew and Gentile and male and female. That's, that's, that's off the table now. We even think in those terms when it comes to being in Christ. He said, but I want you to think in the idea of being a son because you'll see why in a second. You, you would, in their day and age, to say a daughter wouldn't have meant as much to say, hey, you have sonship. This is huge. And if, and if ladies, this is weird for you, just... Just get over it, and you'll see why it's important to get over it. And just so you know, it goes both ways. Because in the Bible, um, there's this weird thing where it talks about dudes being the bride of Christ. So it's just weird, right? I don't, don't want to be a bride. So, but I get the thing. I get the metaphor. And so ladies, just be a son. Dudes will be brides, and it'll, it'll all work out in the end. So, so the Bible says that we are sons, meaning, meaning this. And this is what I want to get you to see, is that God, when he created mankind, when he engaged in a relationship with mankind, I want you to know that God's intention was never to be your religion. God's intention was to be your father. Like that was the point. Jesus didn't come to establish a new religion because God never wanted an old religion. Are you getting what I'm saying here? Like God didn't come to give you a new set of rules because we established last week you're not good at keeping rules anyway. When you had 10, you broke those. When you just had one, you broke those. You had 600, you certainly broke a lot of those. So God's intent was to never be your rule keeper and manager. He wanted to be your father. Now let me ask you a question. If you're a parent out there, do your kids sometimes break your rules? That's a joke, right? Yeah, of course they do. Got kids over here owning it right now. And they want grace from their mind. Anyway. Now, when they broke your rules... Did that suddenly and immediately stop them from being your kids? No, of course not. So, yeah, okay. Let's talk, let's talk about that after service. Um, God never intended to be your, he wanted to be your father. Listen to this, Galatians 4, verse 4. So, when the time set, or the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. And because you are his sons, listen to this, because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into your hearts. The spirit who calls out Abba, Father. Abba, just so you know, is the Aramaic word for Papa. If you go to the Middle East today and you see a little kid running around saying Abba, Abba, he's saying Papa. My kids right now, did, did you guys, is anybody from the era of Little House on the Prairie? Can I get a what-what out there? There are not many hands going up. Okay, let's, all right, let's really own this. Little House on the Prairie. Okay, I didn't grow up with Little House on the Prairie, but like I remember it. And my wife, I don't know why, she found like these DVDs of Little House on the Prairie. And she's like, hey, I'm going to show the kids Little House on the Prairie. And my kids love Little House on the Prairie. Like it, there's some funny stuff in there, believe it or not. And Little House on the Prairie has been in my little house. And 
So sure enough, I come up to, you know, I, I pull up and I park in front of my house and I get out of the car and my kids are playing next door at the neighbor's house and my two little girls come running down and they think it's the funniest thing in the world. They're like, Papa, Papa. They, they never called me Papa in their life. Bless God, you put some little house stuff. So you want your kids to call you Papa, make them watch Little House on the Prairie. They'll start calling you Papa. So anyway, because that's what they call Pa. Actually, they, yeah, my son won't even do Papa. He goes, hey, Pa. <laughs> so, so listen to this, though. He said, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, and the spirit calls out, Abba, Father, so that you are no longer a what? A slave, but actually now you're God's child. And since you're his child, God has also made you an heir. Now, I want you to know that if you grew up in church, this probably doesn't mean that much to you. You're like, yeah, yeah, we're all the children of God. That's not how they thought. This would have been radical new theology to these people. Especially if you grew up Jewish, you never saw God as father. You saw God as God. And they, they had these very, very formal ways of approaching God. As a matter of fact, if you ever go read Jewish writers, when they write, they won't write the name God. They'll put G slash D because it would be dishonoring to even write the name of God. They took out the, 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 the word Jehovah or Yahweh, and they won't use it. They'll call him Adonai in their words and in their writing. They won't approach God in that way because they think it's too informal of a relationship. God is not like that, especially back in Jesus' day and during the early part of the church. We, we don't think like that at all, though. As a matter of fact, when Jesus was teaching his disciples to pray, do you remember the opening line? He said, when you pray, pray like this, our our Father, he, you know, Paul's saying, hey, there's a spirit or an attitude of sonship. Like, you need to get this. The reason why you have grace is because God is your Father and not your Master. Like, that's the whole point. And, and, and if, you're a, if you're a loving father, when your kids break the rules, they don't get kicked out, right? If, you, if your daughter breaks the rules, they're not all of a sudden and immediately no longer your daughter. That's not how this works because it's built on relationship. And the relationship dynamic is father and child. And so that's the idea that he's saying. And he goes, when this happens, when you put your trust in Jesus, there's something unique that should hit your heart. And it's called the spirit of sonship. To whereby from that point forward, the attitude or the spirit or the lens in which you see the world, the lens in which you see God, the way that you live, the way that you make decisions, the, the flow of everything out of your heart is through that attitude or spirit of sonship. So sometimes you've got to ask yourself, not what would a Christian do? You've got to ask yourself, what would a child of God do? Because I've got the spirit. Of sonship. And so here's, here's some of these differences. Like, like, for example, he says that you're no longer a slave, but you've got the spirit of sonship in your heart. Here's the difference. The slave has a master. The son has a father. Like, I want you to know, like, like God never wanted to be master of your life. There's not a whip and a thing, and if you can't, and I'm going to smote you. And that, that was not the dynamic. He said, I want you to get such the spirit of sonship in you that when you look at God, you don't pray in King James. Father, Lord God of heaven and earth, please, whither thou lookest upon me and blesseth my life with your grace and mercy. I mean, you sound like from a different era, but that's not the idea. The idea was, I want you to call God your Abba or your Papa. Like, that's the dynamic. That's the relationship. And here's what I want you to get you this thought here. You can always tell what kind of a relationship somebody has with you by what they call you. Right? Somebody's laughing because they're like, I've been called some things in my life. That lets you know how they feel about you, right? 
the, the same thing is true in every relationship. Like some people, like to me, I'm dad. I got three little people that run around the earth and they call me dad or lately, pa. I got other people that call me sugar pie. There's just one. Don't you dare call me sugar pie. And that, that defines the kind of, you know what I'm saying? That's kind of, there's a different kind of relationship there. Sugar pie. And then, and then other people, I'm just friends, so they might call me Todd. To other people, I'm pastor. And depending on what kind of church you grew up in or how you look at religious leaders, you're like, pa- it's Pastor Todd, it's pastor. If you're, if you're younger, you're like, yo, yo, what's up, PT? And so, so there's all the, and, and what I want you to see is that like the, the title or the name in which you call me, that defines what kind of relationship you have with me, right? God is exactly the same way. And here's what God's saying. I put in your heart the spirit of sonship because from this point forward, I don't want you to look at me as master because you're not a slave. I want you to not even to say father and King James speak. I want you to say dad. That's the type of relationship that I'm inviting you into because when you have a dad, that's different than a master. Let, 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 I'll, I'll keep defining it for you. Let's, listen to this scripture here, Romans 8, verse 15. He says the same thing. The spirit you received does not make you slaves. Again, here's this whole contrast between slaves and sons, slaves and sons. He says, so that you live in fear again, because a slave would always be living in fear. And rather, the spirit you received brought you about, or brought about your adoption back into this whole idea of sonship, and we cry out, what? Papa or Abba Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Here's, here's the, the reason why this is so important is because if you don't believe me, if God wanted to be your master, God would have not made you a free will person, right? If God just wanted to be your master, he would just enslave you, he would rob you of your free will, he would force you to do things, because he could, right? He could take away your free will if he's God of the universe, God of the heavens and the earth. He could just do that, but he didn't want to make a slave, he wanted to make a a son, and that's what he invites you into. And I want you to see, like, this, this plays out in the life of Jesus even. If you ever notice that there's two or three different stories in the Bible where little kids are playing with Jesus to the point that the disciples are annoyed? Like, little kids are like, hey, it's Jesus, let's hang out with Jesus. I, he must have had candy in his pocket. <laughs> just, just word to the wise, like, that's how you buy children's affection. You just candy and gifts and love. And, and so Jesus had this dynamic personality where he was so loving and so friendly how how many of you ever remember like how many people in your life were so loving and so affectionate you just wanted to go hang out with them when you were a little kid and sit in their lap and have them tell you stories that was the spirit of jesus even to the point the disciples are like hey we've got work to do jesus time to move on from playing with the kids this spirit is the spirit that god wants to have over your life to where he is your dad let's keep going here the slave talking about slaves and sons here. The slave is an employee. The son is is an heir. This is totally different. I'll tell you why this is different. From God's vantage point, I I want you to know this. I've fired employees before. I've never fired my son. Right? Like, he's still my son. He's sitting on the front row. He's broken rules. He's done dumb things. He's 13. He's done 13-year-old things. Right? Like, all that. I've never fired him. You've never been fired, have you? You're still my son. You still got my last name. I I never fired you. Because I fire employees that get up on my nerves, right? I don't fire my sons or daughters when they get up on my nerves. And we all as parents know that that occasionally does, in fact, happen. 
So there's this dynamic from God's vantage point. Was like God, but, but this is what should change in you. If you've got the spirit of sonship in your heart and you begin to look at your heavenly father as your dad and that's the, dyni- the dynamic relationship that you have, I want you to know you're not an employee in the kingdom of God. You're an heir. Uh, I'll, I'll put it to you like this. Have you ever been in a like, restaurant or a workplace environment where an employee who should have had some customer service didn't? where you could tell they were only there for a paycheck. And they didn't care anything about the business. They didn't care about anything. And they were given the totally half-hearted effort and didn't care anything about it. What, what was that person? Simply an employee doing the bare minimum to not get fired at any given time. And some of us, that's the way we get as Christians. That's why we ask questions like, um, can I still go to heaven and do this? Can I go to heaven? And go, what, we're, what we're in essence saying is, is, how low is the bar for me to still get in? And you've missed the point. You're already in. And now you're trying to do the bare minimum because you see yourself as an employee and you see God somehow as a master. And that's not the dynamic. I want you to be an heir. I want you to realize you own the business. It's yours. You are an heir of God. I'll prove it to you. Listen to the scripture right here. Romans 8, 17, it says, Now, if we are children, then we are what? Heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. Now, I don't know about you, but like I have, you know, I have a mom and my, my dad passed away a few years ago, but like, you know, there's an estate. <laughs> you know, there's some bank accounts. There's some property. There's some things. And, and I am an heir to my father's estate. Does that make sense? And I want you to know, like, I want the company business to do good. Because it's my company business. I want the kingdom to do good because it's my dad's kingdom. And I'm a part of the kingdom. And I'm a, like, you should look at church this way. Like, like, New Beginnings is your church. It's not my church. This is your church. And, and when you begin to see yourself, well, I'm not, I'm just, I just show up. I'm just a, purely a member. That's why we don't have membership classes. We don't call ourselves Members, we call ourselves partners. Why? Because we're partners in the same business, in the same church, in the same kingdom. And so that's why when we see a need inside of a church, it's like, well, of course, that's my church. That's, I got to take care of this. When I see a, people, a piece of trash on the ground, I'm like, no, 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 that's, that's my piece of trash. I gotta, like the whole mentality shifts. Like them, them are my kids in that kid's ministry. Them are, them are my people across the street. Them are my ushers. Them are my greeters. That's my, that, bless God, that's my pastor. You better back off my pastor. That's my pastor. And it's, it, you're a part. You're, you're, you're not an employee. You're a part of the business because you are an heir. This is such a big deal. Nextly is this. Nextly, I don't think that's a word. Next, <laughs> the slave is driven by duty because of this. The son is driven by, yeah, like the, the, like the slave has the mentality of this. I have to or else. Sons don't, the sons don't think of it like that. As a matter of fact, like slaves think, do I have to? Do I have to do it? You know what a son thinks? When a son really knows the love of his father and the greatness of his father, he knows that he's an heir and a joint heir and co-heir. And all. It's not do I have to. There's such devotion in my heart, the question then becomes, what is there that I wouldn't do? Why, why wouldn't I do that? Like, that's what I want in your heart. That's the spirit of sonship. It gets you to this place where you're like, God, there's nothing I wouldn't do for you. There's no place I wouldn't go. There's nothing that I wouldn't give up or sacrifice. Like none of this stuff matters in light of 
you. That's the spirit of sonship. It's that the relationship now trumps all the other meaningless and not and so important things in this world. It's the spirit of sonship. Listen to this. Philippians 2.12 says this. Work hard to show the results of your salvation. You know, last week we talked about this, that you don't work for your salvation. That is impossible. You could not work hard enough or long enough for all of eternity. It wouldn't matter. So you don't work for your relationship with God. You don't work for your salvation. You actually work to show the results of your salvation. Obeying God with deep reverence and fear. For God is working in you, giving you, everybody say, the desire and the power. So God's going to give you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. This is where we want to go in the realm of our heart with devotion. This is what salvation should really give you. When salvation and, the, and a revelation of the grace and love of God towards me. It's not I have to, it's I get to. It's not, it's not uh, pleasing a master because I'm a slave. It's honoring a father because of my father's great love for me. And what happens is this. If you're a Christian and you've been following Jesus and you've had a true moment with God, here's what you've experienced. Something in your heart changed. The things that you used to look at and want to do or desire, it just your desires changed. All of a sudden, that stuff began to lose its appeal. That stuff didn't matter as much as it used to matter anymore. And, And then even the things that do, my honor for God outweigh my desire for that evil thing. To the point that even when I slip and fall, I feel convicted. And I feel bad and I want to go back and repent and honor my father. Or I just keep fighting the good fight to not do those things anymore. Because it's God's desire to change your heart. Like God wants to change your desires and not just change your desires, but give you the power as well. I'll I'll give you another one here. This is fascinating. Galatians chapter 4 says this. Formerly, when you did not know God. Everybody say know God. So this is about relationship then. Not about like before when you didn't know to keep all the rules and you were really, really bad. No, he said before when you did not know God, you were what? Slaves. This whole, this whole difference between slaves and sons is still appearing. You were slaves to those who by nature are not gods. But now that you, everybody say know God. He said now that you know God or, and then he drops this huge idea, or rather are known by God. How is it that you're turning back to those weak and miserable principles? Do you wish to be enslaved by them all over again? See, the point was relationship. The point was that God was my dad, and I was a part of the family business, and I was an heir and a co-heir with Christ, and now I don't live out of this sense of duty. I live out of a sense of desire. I don't live trying to keep some religion. I live now trying to keep flowing this dynamic relationship. That's why you get the grace. Does that make sense now? Because when you think about the father-son dynamic and the father-child dynamic, all of a sudden you're, you're like, oh, I don't know. You don't fire your, your kids. You don't, that's, not, that's not how this works. This is grace, and they're grace because they're mine. That's where this all comes from. So in light of that, again, here's some of the things that you have to begin to change about your mind. Number one is this, is if you're going to kind of get into this, you do. Your first one is this, is you've got to see God as your dad. Now, I know we've been talking about this all morning, but the, the reason why this is so important is this. Some of you have a hard time doing this. Now, I had a pretty cool dad. I had a pretty good dad. I resolved all, or not all, but most of I probably, my dad issues. Because as you grow up, some of you have a deep father wound. 
Some of you, your dad was crazy. Some of you, your dad was absent. Some of you, your dad was cleaver beaver and was the greatest dude in the world. This is not hard for you. But most of us in this room, that's not the case. And, and, and for some of us, for me to say, hey, God wants to be your dad, you cringe. For some of you, when I say God wants to be your, your, your papa, that's how close in the dynamic relationship that God wants you to have, you're like, I don't even know what that looks like. Because you're like, I didn't have a relationship with my dad. My dad didn't come to one baseball game, and my dad did this, and my dad was never this. And so I, I, I know that. Here, here's what I want you to know, is that your heavenly father is not your earthly dad. And I want you to begin to, to approach God as your heavenly father. And if you do, what I believe will happen is God will begin to heal your father wound. This is so important because some of us, again, we, we, we get so caught up in this idea that somehow my dad's, my dad's junk and my dad's funk, and when we do it on a subconscious level, if dad was harsh and mean and critical, then God is probably harsh and mean and critical. And you don't even do it on purpose. And if I asked you if God was harsh and mean and critical, you'd say no. But if I asked you and we dug down into like when you think you hear the voice of God, it probably comes through sounding a little bit like your dad. We do this. We all of a sudden put, put our earthly, our sinful, earthly, fallen, broken dad, and we put that on our God image. And I want you to know that's not the case, that your heavenly father is perfect in all of his ways. And this happens for so many people. I want God to heal you of that father wound because dad, your heavenly father wants to be your dad. That's the dynamic relationship that he wants to have. Number two is this, is, is I want you to begin to approach God now through relationship, not rules. Think about this, through relationship, not rules. Listen to this, John 5 says this. You diligently, he's talking to the religious people. He said, you diligently study the scriptures because you think that by them you will possess eternal life. Because that's not how this works. These scriptures are the ones that testify about me, and yet you refuse to what? To come to me. What was the point? The point was not to have every rule nailed down. The point was to get closer and closer to God. The closer and closer I am to God, the less I ever think about the rules. I don't need to. Because all I do is live a life trying to honor my dad. That's the thing that changes in our life. As a matter of fact, when I think about um, this whole dynamic. The other day, Caitlin came by the office. My wife had to come by the office and she had both the girls with her. And Caitlin's, Caitlin's my youngest kid. And Caitlin doesn't knock. Right? You have that kid? Don't knock. Lock your doors. You know what I'm saying? Don't knock. And Caitlin doesn't knock. And she just runs right in and she has this big smile on her face and then she just comes and jumps up into my lap. Hey, Dad, what are you doing? And that's the way Caitlin approaches me. What does an employee do? You better send an email. You better set up an appointment. You better need, bless God, you better knock. If that door is closed, you better knock. Why? Because you're an employee. There's a certain level of boundary. There's a certain protocol. There's some steps that you need to take. There's some appropriate. Caitlin don't got no appropriateness. She's a kid. As a matter of fact, she has this picture that she drew, and there's a story behind it, but like basically she got to draw in her little art class whatever she wanted to draw, and this is what she drew. And it has a prayer connected to it. It just says, Lord, thank you. And four is spelled with an E. Um, vocab class needs to step up there again. Lord, thank you for my mom, dad, Peyton, and Lainey. I love them so much. And one thing I love about them is that they love me. And then she's got like, dad, P is Peyton. She ran out of room. And there's mom and there's Lainey. And look at little Caitlin. 
little curly hair, little smiley face, and everybody's holding hands. This is the way that Caitlin sees family. This is the way that Caitlin sees dad. There's family. There's connections. There doesn't have to be a bunch of protocols. What needs to be first and foremost is connectedness and closeness. This is what Christianity was all about. This is why Jesus, when he rose from the dead, he talked to the disciples. He says that the very first thing that he says, because he was talking to, the, uh, I think it was Mary in, in the garden, and he goes, hold on a second, wait, I need to go. I'm going to heaven to see my dad and your dad. What happened after the resurrection is that Jesus bridged the gap to where all the religious requirements were completely fulfilled in Christ. There was no protocols. There was just free access. And he said, now I'm going to go see my dad and your dad. I want you to see like this is the lens through which I want you to see the world. Because when you live like this, that's when you experience grace. This is why you experience grace. And lastly is this, number three, is I want you to give God your whole heart. This is so huge. In light of this, I want you to know you can trust God and you can give God your whole heart. Many of you, and you, you've maybe even done this in your past, and this is why you walked away from Christianity at some point in time, is you tried Christianity and you tried it out for a few weeks, you tried it out even for a few months or even longer, and then you finally came up to something, you butted up into something, some doubt, some circumstance, some pain, some trial, and you walked away and you said, you know what, I tried Christianity, it didn't work. Christianity is not a thing that works or doesn't work. It's not a math problem. It's a relationship. And what God wants you to do is he wants you to surrender your whole heart. Listen to this. Let me read the scripture for you. Jeremiah 29 says this. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with what? All your heart. And I will be found by you, declares the Lord. If you were ever looking for God, listen to me. There's this thing where you have to open up your heart. Because the antithesis is true, right? It's got to be the opposite. It's true. If I don't seek the Lord with all my heart, if I, if I keep things, then I'm missing out on God. And that's why I get to the end of a few, few months or even a year or so, or whatever, and like God didn't work, Christianity didn't work. That's not how this works. It's not a math problem. It's a relationship. And God is inviting you to give your whole heart over to him. If, 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 if we had to summarize, and let's close with this. If we had to summarize everything down, it would be this right here. His relationship changes everything is that God's desire for you, the reason why there was grace instead of a law, is because God wanted to be your dad and not your master. And relationship changes everything. God's inviting you into that relationship with him. Would you please bow your head and close your eyes? I'm telling you, it changes everything. It's not about have to anymore. It's about want to. It's not about duty anymore. It's about desire. There's not like, do I have to do it? No, now it's, there's nothing I wouldn't do. Why? Relationship changes everything. If you're in here today and you've never experienced the love of God, I, I want to invite you just to open up your heart and pray this simple prayer with me today. In your heart, in your own words, we, we want to pray something like this. God, I recognize today that I need you, and that I want you in my life. That, Heavenly Father, I want you to be just that. I want you to be my father, and I want you to be my dad. I want you to heal my heart. God, I want you to help me. I want you to be there in my life. God, I want to be able to approach you, to know you, to be in relationship with you. God, I open up my whole heart to you today. And, Father, I pray that that's everyone's prayer here today, that, God, we're constantly moving closer and closer to you, God. 
Father, we pray these things and ask these things in Jesus' name. And we all said, amen. amen. Can we give the Lord a big hand clap this morning? Thanks again for listening to the New Beginnings Podcast. For more information on New Beginnings Church, please visit us online at nbchurch.tv.